What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and we are going to talk about The Last of Us streaming on HBO Max, episode three. Now, uh, this episode was titled Long, Long Time, and we're a day behind where we normally record, but that's because I specifically asked Rob if I could gather my thoughts and we could record a day later than we normally do, because... It took me a long, long time to really think about how I wanted to talk about this episode and how I felt Um, because I know how I felt in the moment, but I didn't think I was ready to really articulate anything. Um, I was really just kind of taking a lot of things in. And Rob, I know you watched this. Um, You had some company watching it. They had a very, you know, strong reaction to this episode. but man, this this was it's crazy to say this was one of the good ones because both these first two episodes have been good. But man, this was one of the good ones. Yeah, there um, when it, for the audience members that are listening right now that are fans of the game, you know that this is what The Last of Us is. Coming so if you're somebody who has not played the game, you saw episode two with that crazy tension mm-hmm. when they're trying to escape the clickers, and there's action, there's tension, there's high stakes, there's there's stuff that happens, there's real honest like stuff that happens, and it's possible, although I don't think it's happened because online this episode is getting completely universally just love, just nonstop love. Mm-hmm. I have not seen anybody that has said they disliked it, you know, either just uh, critics or fans or anybody say, uh, you know, anything at all negative about this. When I turned my TV off last night, my concern was for those people who don't know that this is what the world of The Last of Us is. Um, it fluctuates between crazy tension, horror, terrifying, you know, moments with these tender moments, these moments of love, these moments um, where the story of these two people matter. And that's what this is. You know, I I was really thinking about in the second game and I'm not giving any spoilers out, but in the second game, there's a scene and it takes place in a museum that everybody who's played the game that's listening right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. And it's regarded as one of the coolest moments in gaming history, you know, Mm -hmm. that just that scene people universally love. And this reminded me so much of that. You can tell both types of story within the last of us, terror, tension, horror, fear, uh, fast pace, heart pumping, I actually think my heart just went back down to its normal beats per minute, just in time for episode three from episode two. Mm -hmm. And then you have this other moment where it's a story of love and it's a story of people growing together. Yeah. Your, your heart pumps for a different reason during this episode. And yes, you know, if you know the game, you don't get now, This is an example, and again, we talked about this for the first two episodes, but because of who's involved with this, this is not what you get in the game. They're able to flesh this story out more than the scenes that you saw in the game regarding this particular episode. And this is what happens when the people who care about 
the product that they created are allowed to just have control. This to me is an indication, and I could be way off, but this is still is another example of HBO Max, the executives there, letting, keeping their hands off of this and trusting the people involved to do what's right to make sure that this show is going to be a success. And so far, it is a mega success. Um, but yet this, this episode, it it tugs at you for completely different reasons. And there was just so many moments and so many lines in this episode where I genuinely was, I was choked up. Like this was a beautiful episode to see in the sense of two people in the midst, you know, of everything that's going on, two people still having a normal experience and a very true, passionate, powerful experience. And then on top of that, you're able to get some really satisfying scenes with Joel. You're able to once again, get sucked into the fact that Ellie has only known the world that sucks. That's terrible. She's so bewildered and amused by a car, by an airplane. And you see flashes. Again, we know the story of the last of us. You and I, Rob, I'm sure many listeners of this show, but we see flashes of what their relationship will come to because you see it in, you see it in Joel how he does for a second stop and think like okay that like she's only known this world and he tries to be like yeah you know and he says a line like yeah i'm sure they thought it was cool to fly in an airplane too but he also just has those subtle facial expressions that you can tell he cares that she's having this experience and it means something to him. His armor is cracking. You see these every episode you see in some regard, whether it be to Tess or Ellie. Now you see chinks in the armor. And I love that. You don't get a ton of it in this episode because this is, you know, this is a lot of focus on this love story, but those moments are so powerful as well. Yeah, what's funny is, you know, this is The Last of Us is the story of of Joel and Ellie, and they take a whole episode to kind of tell this other story. Yes, they're involved. And I and I do love those moments you're speaking about. Um, I had a small fear when I shut this off that people would see this episode as padding the series because it tells a story that if you really it's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. We're doing it. We're going to 100 percent agree on that. But if you want to make the case that this story doesn't advance the story of Ellie and Joel, you could make that case that this somebody could say that this was to pad out the series to make the runtime longer. I don't believe that, by the way, but, but that was my concern was that some fans or some viewers might feel that way. Um, it, but the moments we do get of Ellie and Joel, you know, you hit on some of those great moments, just the the wonder and the, just how novel it is to think about flying in the air 
and being in a car for the first time, things that you and I find so trivial. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but you know, like if I'm in the car for more than two hours or so on a trip, like I gotta, I'm very tall for listeners. I'm very (laughs) tall. Like, uh, I'm just under six, seven. So if I'm in a car for more than an hour and a half or two hours, I got to get out and stretch because it's, it's like awful. And it's like, I, you know, I just don't enjoy it sometimes, but to her, the concept of riding in a car, Matt, that would be like you and I getting a ride in like a fighter jet or something like that. Yeah. Like it's the same, it's the same wonder to her. And, and we'll see that more with her as it goes. Um, and they have this great moment and we've seen this through all three episodes we've gotten so far where they literally had to have had like cells of the game on set to set things up the mm-hmm. right way with the costuming and the, the c- photography was was perfect in that that airplane scene is, is just another one um and there's another bit that's kind of cool they as they're walking ellie's kind of asking some questions and we do get a little more explanation on what actually happened yep. what they believe happened with this infection with this outbreak and at first, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I sort of prefer there being a little bit of more of a mystery. But the explanation they give where the fungus was in the grain, the fungus was in the flower, and that's how it broke out everywhere all across the world, like that makes sense. And holding true to, you know, kind of less fiction in your science fiction and more like real science, like this is this is just on the other side of what's actually possible. Like, yeah. If you look up ergotized grain or ergotized beer, ergot basically is kind of when fungus, like it, it sort of changes and it, and in some people it can create mild hallucinations. Other people, it will poison them. Like this is real stuff. And there are people who hypothesize that ergot poisoning had something to do with the Salem witch trials. Like this, this is real stuff, just like the cordyceps mushroom the cordyceps fungus is a real thing that happens so is this and that's what makes this so much cooler so i'm on board with them explain it a little bit further yeah and we got hints of that you know on that radio broadcast and some background chatter in the first episode where they talk about flower um and i did they you know i like the fact that he talked about it, but they didn't, you know, they didn't go like super long into the explanation. You know, it, it was part of the scene and, and the scene that they're, they're talking about how it happened. I love the part too, where again, I'm sure she's seen a lot, but she plays it so tough when Joel's like, no, we're not going to go that way. You don't need to see what's up there. And she's like, can it hurt me? No, then I'm fine. And Ellie plays it so tough. And then she just sees this part of the field littered with bones. And you get the explanation of they were told they were going to camps. Well, they did. And the realization that during this time frame, they just shot people. You know, we we saw it with him and his daughter. That's how it started. But to get the scope and just to see like all of those different skulls, just, you know, it it hammers home again what these, you know, what these survivors 
whether they're still, you know, on the screen now or some of them died before the events that we're seeing now, what these people have gone through and what other people were willing or forced to do to try and contain this um, is like, it's so heartbreaking to think about because of the fact too, everything that you did, I mean, I get it. People are still alive, but it's not like it worked out for the best. Like life still sucks, you know, killing all of those people that probably were not infected. It's not like you're living in a utopia. Like you are still struggling to make sure that you survive with, and you have to live with all of these decisions that you or somebody you know made decisions that would weigh on you incredibly heavy. Think about being a medical expert and say, bomb this city, Mm -hmm. bomb it. Like just carpet bomb the whole thing. Um, I kind of, I kind of predicted that season one would not conclude with the finale of the game because I thought, okay, nine episodes. I thought it was going to run longer. I thought you were going to get like a second season out of the first game. It kind of feels like that's probably not going to happen that way. I, it does feel like it seems like there's already spent. Cause they, by the way, in there's been a lot of news in the last of us uh, mm-hmm. in, in the last week. Um, it did get renewed for a second season, which I'm sure everybody's heard by now. And there's speculation about who some of those characters will be uh, in season two that they're pulling from the second game. So it already leads me to believe that um, season one will be the entire first game. Um, I'll tell you what sort of, and also, um, you know, I guess the other, uh, big piece of news, um, uh, from the last week is that Annie Wershing, the mm-hmm. actress who played Tess in the first game, uh, not the actress who played her in the show, but in the first game, uh, passed away, uh, on January 29th. Uh, so that was kind of a bummer. Like when, when something like this is, you know, going as strong as it is to have somebody that was involved in the initial part of it. Uh, pass away is is really a bummer. I re- um, I read that right before I watched the episode. I, yeah, like real bummer. Um, but you know, as you think about, okay, so if you needed to pad time, what would you do? I was sort of surprised that they got out of Boston almost immediately. Like mm-hmm. I would have thought that they would have wanted to spend more time in Boston established Joel and his role as a smuggler and all of these other things. And what really kind of surprised me too, was that they didn't try to set Fedra up as being worse than what we saw. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you get the idea that it's a fascist police state and there's some pretty bad guys, um, bad men and women involved in Fedra. And, and I sort of thought we would get more of that, but when you see um, the small skull in that pile, Mm-hmm. they don't need to spend a whole other episode show, telling you how bad Fedra is. You already see how bad the people in charge are and the, the terrible things that they do. You don't even actually need it to cut from the scrap of cloth in the burn pile to the scrap of cloth as a piece of clothing on a human baby in the immediate transition to the next scene. You don't actually even need that to already have strong feelings about Fedra. And I think what, really was effective about how they did that is it's shortly after that, that you, I think that's pretty much the transition right to when we see bill and 
you know, a lot of people know that crazy libertarian anti-government hating kind of kind of person that everybody knows at least one. You either have one in your family or you kind of you work with someone like that. And, you know, he's a conspiracy theorist. He's he's all of these things. He's he's a gun nut. Um, He's a self-reliance guy. He's a survival nut. And everybody thinks he's a nut until you need him. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think showing how bad it was really set up um, how smart this guy was for setting his life up the way that he did. Um, and it just makes him that much more interesting of a character right out of the gate. Yeah, um, it, it it really did. And, you know, we've we've talked about and it, it's bookended with Joe and with Joel and Ellie Uh you know, this episode, the crux of it is the relationship that you see with Bill and Frank. And, you know, let's let's just lay the cards on the table here. I've watched two hour movies where you had more time. I have watched TV seasons where two characters who you are supposed to believe care about each other and are together. And it never clicks. It never works. What they give you in this episode to show you this relationship between Bill and Frank and somebody who has never played the game. I cannot imagine that in the time that you get, you don't feel like this is real. Like the montages that you get and the scenes that you get of these two men coming together and forming a relationship. And especially that line that Bill says to Frank, where he says, and I I might've, I might be misquoting this a little bit, but when he says, I wasn't afraid until you came along or until I met you, how do you, how do you not believe this relationship? How is this not something that when you get to the end of their journey that you're not devastated by, that you don't feel a human connection to? And that, I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic line. And I'll tell you one of the things that kind of occurred to me listening to some of the things you said about this episode, it's a very powerful experience that happens within this world that. I think could only happen in this world Mm -hmm. because when, when Frank kind of puts two and two together, that bill is also a homosexual like him. And he tells him to go upstairs and he, he climbs in bed with him and he makes the comment to him, you know, something along the lines of, have you done this before? And he reluctantly and, and sheepishly and kind of, you know, he, he, there's a, with a little bit of shame says with a woman once or with a girl a long time ago, mm-hmm. you know, this, this appears to be an individual that could have been struggling with his identity. Yep. And thinking about when this pandemic, this worldwide apocalypse was supposed to happen. It was 2003 is when the outbreak is the acceptance level of gay individuals was nowhere near what it, I'm not saying it's great. It's not perfect. Now, certainly we right. can agree on that, but it's certainly um, 
not as hard in 2023 as it was in 2003. And he may not have even fully I, I, I understood his identity. He, you know, mm-hmm. we have no way of knowing, but I got the impression, and I don't know if you felt this way too, that he didn't fully come to grips with it or was maybe ashamed to admit it. But when you live on your own and everybody around you is dead and nobody's around to judge you and you can live your life and be who you truly are, be yourself, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that is for you. And now all of this other societal pressure and shame is gone. Um, you know, this is a story that could only be told in an apocalypse potentially. Um, I don't, did you get that at all? Or, or am yeah. I looking into this too far? No, I, I really did think about the fact that, you know, his, his body language, the way he doesn't realistically, and maybe I'm thinking too much into it. I'm, you know, I'm looking too deeply. Um, the way he doesn't necessarily look at him when he talks at first, he's kind of off to the side. And I don't think it's because he doesn't know how to be social. I think it's because he doesn't know, like, he's not sure what's going on. Again, he's still unsure, so to speak, during this interaction of what's going on. And there there might be some shame there because the last time that maybe he had interaction with somebody, you know, during 2003 when this is taking place, you know, Again, we're certainly not where we would where we want to be in 2023. But I I was, you know, I'm I was old enough in 2003 and certainly were you. You didn't really want to talk about that a lot of times in in, in 2003. You you just you you didn't. You couldn't, unfortunately, in, in some circles. Yeah, the I mean it wasn't even federally recognized that gay marriage was legal. Yeah. There were some States where it was, I remember Connecticut as an early adopter, Massachusetts, uh, Hawaii as an early adopter, but I don't even remember if any of those were around in 2003. Like I didn't, I didn't, by the way, I did no research on that part of, right. of this yeah. episode, but the, you know, 2003, that's the first term of the Bush administration. It wasn't until a Supreme court decision during the Obama's, uh, Obama's second uh, term in office that it was um, the Supreme Court decision that made it federally recognized that gay marriage was legal, you know, yeah. recognized. So this is years before that. And, you know, it, it's funny thinking, you know, the, the way that this series kind of goes back and forward in time, um, particularly this episode, you know, showing the progression of that relationship, uh, it's easy to kind of forget the things that happen, you know, or the, the, the way that things were, um, it's it's just an interesting kind of you kind of have to reset yourself to mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that jumping back though too, I you know, I did like that we got the the flashback that, you know, Joel and Tess had met them trading, you know, with Bill and Frank. I I like those scenes a lot too because again, like it just shows when Joel and Ellie show back up because he's going to try and, you know, get a little bit of help here from Bill. Um, and maybe I'm just reading into this cause I was just so emotionally invested in this episode. Um, 
I, I was choked up several times during this episode. I, I felt a real connection to it that they did such a great job that just, um, I, I thought again for, I, I had heard like, Oh, I heard this episode might be filler. And I'm like, this is not filler. Like that's not what this is. Um, you can tell that Joel, he's he's hurt that they're gone. Like it means it, something to him. It, yes, it, it means something to him that that they're gone, and you know he didn't get to maybe officially say goodbye. Um, maybe he feels a little guilty that he stayed away too long, or who knows? Like who knows? And you know these are these are things that I am you know, hypothesizing, but you can tell that it does mean something to him that they're gone. Um, Cause it's a 13 year friendship. Yeah. And, and then too, when just, you know, Ellie tries to talk about tests and he lays down those ground rules. And again, it's just, it's so apparent, you know, lovers, friends with benefits, whatever Joel and Tess were, in this world, it meant something to him. And just because he hasn't come right out and like thrown a fit or gone like rage mode because Tess is gone, these subtle ways of showing, you know, his emotional state, so to speak, to me is way more powerful than him like flipping out and because we've seen that in movies or shows where the main character or one of the main characters, like a love interest, a friend or somebody dies and they go crazy mode. And, you know, even in this kind of universe, they beat the crap out of a zombie. They stomp them, they punch them, you know, they shoot them 19 times after they know that, you know, the, the, corpse is already gone it's dead they're not going to get back up sometimes that works but the subtleties in how he he doesn't want to show his emotion you know he doesn't show it in a physical or like really a verbal manner it, it's it's nonverbal communication that i'm loving about this universe and this show that is that is just dragging me down the rabbit hole to be so invested in what's happening. I am fully a, a citizen of the rabbit hole. I am setting up camp inside the rabbit hole. I am permanently here. I am uh, applying for a work visa. Uh, <laughs> I am in the rabbit hole of the last of us uh, card carrying member. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm here. Um, <clears throat> you know, you were mentioning sometimes we see, you know, these rage fits and other kinds of, of shows and movies and, and things like that, where somebody will just flip out. And I, I think what we don't see where the, uh, when, when the, the creators of this show allow the audience to insert our own ideas into what we're seeing or start to wonder about it, you don't have to force us to see it. Let us kind of think about it a little bit. And that's so much more effective mm -hmm. than sort of forcing us to just see a crazy rage moment. Let us think about what, you know, that that boil is going on inside of Joel where he's trying to process all this. And, you know, he's not happy about the situation that he's in, but he's going to do the best he can to try to do, you know, the best he can for all of the people that he can. And what kind of occurs to me is, is Joel is really the kind of guy 
or the kind of person I should say, who really functions better with a partner. You know, he, he can, he's capable. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's not any, he's not a person who lacks self-sufficiency, but when it comes to, okay, big things have to be decided. Big things have to happen. He likes having another person with him. So you kind of saw that in his relationship with Sarah. Yes, they're, they're father daughter and there's real love there, but they seemed like friends as well. You know, mm-hmm. it seemed like there was a respect there that yes, I'm dad, but there's a different kind of respect. There's a different kind of leniency with, with that relationship. And you certainly get that with the interaction we saw with Tess where, um, she can be very direct with him and say, I know what you're thinking. We're not doing this. This is what we're doing. Right. You're going to listen to me. And he goes, okay. You know, I, I respect that. I hear that without hesitation. Yeah. No argument back. Just, okay. You know, and they, and they, and you saw that kind of reciprocate the other way at times. And now he doesn't have that partner. Now he's Mm -hmm. the only adult in the room and everything that happens is going to be on him to do. And he, you know, he doesn't trust Ellie yet. You know, he doesn't give her a gun. She asked for it multiple times. He says no. Uh, But now, you know, he was trying to find his friends. They're gone. And now he's still trying to process all this. And what will be interesting to see is as that relationship grows, when that switch happens. Yeah. And you, again, you're starting to see though, you're starting to see the small for an outside viewer. You are starting to see small building blocks of their relationship, even with her. Cause as these three episodes have gone on and even this episode alone She's not the wisecracking smartass when he says, here's the ground rules at the end of it. Right. She she does not talk back, so to speak. She just says, okay. So their relationship is starting to change where she's like, in that moment, I think as much as we saw a little bit of a moment where Joel kind of comes to the realization of, why she's so in in wonderment of these simple little things that like you said, like you or I would take for granted. I think in that moment too, you also see Ellie's realization of how hurt, broken, not misguided this man is. And she, you know, at that point, and again, maybe I'd like, I'm choosing to think of it this way based on what I'm seeing. But to me, her, her willingness to let him say what he's going to say, not backtalk him in that moment or anything else to me is an acknowledgement of her too, that their relationship needs to change. There's, he's not a, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's not a jerk. Um, This is somebody who is really hurt and I think when she does try to apologize about Tess and he's like, no, because think about what 30, 40 minutes before she said, like, I'm not apologizing. And she's not apologizing for Tess being like, she's not apologizing because she's the one who got Tess killed, but she's just trying to do anything to maybe console a guy who she realizes is actually really hurt. And what's interesting about that, so she's 14, um, yep. 
what is Ellie's relationship with adults been up to this point? She's an orphan. Mm-hmm. Um, chained up. All of the other adults. <laughs> chained up. Exactly. Chained up. Kind of kidnapped a little bit. Um, yeah. And not taken care of very well. And then Marlene shows up and she's like, okay, you know, this kind of sort of makes sense. But other than that, the other interaction she has with adults is through kind of the military school. Um and she doesn't seem to think very highly of it overall that we've seen so far. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's probably she's probably got a little bit of a problem with authority, um, as a lot of fourteen year olds do, even not in an apocalypse. Um, so this is this is all brand new to her. Um, and when you see her kind of respond in that way, I think that does start to show a little bit of a sign of of respect for Joel. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what that is. And but not let's not forget, she stole a gun and put it in her backpack. And yes. that is definitely going to factor in at some point soon. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, where where I did, uh, you know, I, I'm going to admit this where where I did have some full tears during this episode was that note and that that line, you know, it's funny. It, you know, there's there's a little bit of humor where he's like, I never liked you. Ha 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 ha. And Ellie's reading it. Yeah. But, you know, that line and I was I was watching it uh, with my son, Brandon, and he kind of like snapped and like pointed at me um, when in Bill's goodbye note. And he says to Joel, like men like you and me are meant to take care of people. Yep. Like that, you know, and, and as long as there's one person we're saving, they can live a fulfilling life. That right there is where like all of the emotion through the episode, like really, really hit to me. Cause again, like we know the story, but through this, these, these three episodes, I feel like this is the first time I'm seeing it and going through this journey, which is crazy because I know it. And, that's why this is such a good show, because even though I know what is coming in a manner of speaking, it feels brand new. It does. And I think part of that is we've talked about this before with other reviews. When you adapt something from one type of medium to another, um, it can be done very effectively. And it and there always has to be a change. You can't just take a popular comic book and make it into a great movie. It just doesn't work that way. You have to make some changes. You have to understand that the storytelling that works in novel form doesn't work in movie form or TV form. There's things that have to be updated. And, and that's one of the fun things for like super fans of any, you know, type of IP to say, okay, I liked how the walking dead is a great example of this, where Mm -hmm. there are some drastic differences between the source material of the graphic novel and what we got on the TV series. Um, You know, a character like Daryl, for example, doesn't exist in the graphic novel anywhere, completely made up for the show. Um, Certain characters, you know, it switches who does this or who does that. And, and you can certainly have that debate. I think where when they have chosen to deviate so far or change things or expand on things from the source material uh, to this point, they've nailed it. And um, I think for for what it's worth, it's worth mentioning that Frank is not alive uh, at any point of mm-hmm. the game that you see um, and, and you have a very different experience. So when they decided to tell this story, 
and you think about the importance of what Frank meant to Bill and the note that Bill is going to the note that Bill leaves that he anticipates Joel will be the only person to find. Yep. Um, and what that's going to mean to him moving forward, Joel knowing how important Frank and Bill were to each other. Um, this is absolutely not a filler episode. If you connect those dots the way you're supposed to. Yeah. Um, you know, can I say too that I just, and I saw it in the, the, the trailer, like the preview, but that just, that stupid rebuttal when Bill says, this is not an Arby's when they first meet and Frank says, well, Arby's didn't have free lunch. It's a restaurant. Like, <laughs> I, like I just, oh my God, I, I really did like crack up. Like I genuinely had like a really, really good chuckle at that line. Um, Cause you have to imagine Bill had that line ready. He really did. Like he was like, Oh, I'm using this today. Finally. <laughs> yeah. He's had three years, I think to that point of probably no interaction of any kind. Right. Um, and uh, you know, he's sitting in his bunker and he's got nothing but time. So I'm sure he's figured out a lot of stuff. He's like, Oh which, shit. Which, the, by the way, the sun shined the, on me today. <laughs> yeah, I got this one cocked and locked and ready to rock. Um, and then he's probably in the shower that night. Stupid. I should have right. thought of something else. Right. Um, but uh, I, I will say for all the time and the prep work that Bill puts in, man, that guy, he's just, he's just firing at those Raiders in the middle of the street. He's not behind any cover at all whatsoever. Like he's not protecting himself in any way. I mean, I realize he's got a scoped rifle, but to not even have like, there's nothing in the middle of the street for him to hide behind. It seems like, piss poor planning on his part. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like you would think, and I don't know. I think maybe it might've been like, well, who's coming here? Like he had been there for so long. He still made all that but, stuff. Yeah. Like he still made all that. Um, <laughs> but, and the other thing that I, I, I really liked about this episode and you know, this in terms of the context, maybe this sounds morbid, I like the fact that when, you know, Frank asked Bill, you know, to to end his life, um, I just I, I really appreciated the fact there was no argument when he found out Bill was going to take his own life as well. Like they, they just use that as an opportunity to say goodbye to each other there wasn't uh why did you do that you you no you idiot like it didn't pro like it, you know even said like under the circumstances that might be like the most romantic thing ever i i like that i i like the fact that they just let that be a moment that both of them just said okay i understand why you did it they they each respected each other's wishes point of view and they didn't make it about what the other person wanted for their partner. Well, and if you think about Frank's point of view, you know, he's asking Bill to respect his decision. So it'd be very hypocritical right. for Frank then to not respect Bill's. Decision. But how, but how many times do we see where that that's not how it plays out because of lazy screenwriting? Yep. And that is not what we got here. 
you know, he makes the comment, there's enough, you know, was there, was there medicine already in the wine or something along those lines? Said he had enough to kill a horse. Um, when he said that, it, what, it didn't surprise me, but just it, it, it didn't surprise me, but it affected me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that that would be, you know, it would be something, but again, like the realization that he could have went on, but he didn't want to. And again, I think it's just because of how they so effectively showcase their relationship in the short amount of time that they had. It's not like we've been introduced to these characters for all three episodes. We got this. This is what we got to feel something for this part of the story. And they knocked it out of the park. And that's where, you know, it affected me was the simple fact that, again, this is a guy that could have went on. But he did not want to, like the, the he what bond was had he, the same meaning. Yeah. What bond was he going to form again? What was his life going to mean? Um, he thought he, that he wanted a life of isolation. Right. And then somebody came along that helped him understand that that's not what he truly wanted. Mm-hmm. There's something truly. And, and I've seen this a lot, this word used. And I, and I had written this down multiple times as I was watching the episode, but there's something truly beautiful about what we got here. Mm-hmm. And it's it, particularly when you get to the end of their life, there was something beautiful about their last day that they spent together. They went, they lived their last day on their terms. They mm-hmm. spent it together. They did the things they wanted to do. They went, they, they decided together when that last um, moment was going to be. And they laid down in bed with each other in each other's arms and blissfully passed on. And there's something kind of remarkable in much in the same way that when you look at something like the notebook and I, I kind of wonder if the Venn diagram of people who are listening to this show (laughs) about the last of us and people have seen the notebook is very many people at all. Uh, But for those of you like mild spoiler, if you actually want to watch the notebook, which by the way, don't it's stupid. Um, but anyways, so mild spoiler alert, when you get to the end and, uh, and he, you know, the, the husband just kind of decides, you know, the wife's got the Alzheimer's and he decides he's just going to crawl in bed with her. And she like regains her memory long enough to kind of remember who she is and who he is. And that's all stupid. Cause that's not how that works. And, and they just decide they're just going to die together. Like they just lay in bed and they just, oh, I guess we're just going to die. Like that's the, that's the second stupidest on-screen death since Padme decided she was just too sad to keep living despite the fact that she just had twins. Like that's stupid. Like I, now I'm mad about that, but um, like <clears throat> this was not that, the, like this is how you do that scene and make it actually effective and have it actually mean something and have it make sense and have it make an impact. All right. Spoilers are over for anybody who fast forwarded to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I totally agree. This was to me much more effective, um, you know, and then th- how they decided to do that and how it came off on screen. But and beautifully performed by the two actors involved. Oh, these guys were crushed it. Yeah, I, I mean, crushed it. Just uh, everybody in this, though, has been top notch. 
Like who's the worst actor you've seen in this show so far? Like main side character, even a character with a runs on with a two, like a two word sentence. And that's their whole line. What's the worst thing you've seen? Yeah. I mean, maybe, the, I got maybe, nothing. maybe the, maybe the dust on the table. It didn't have enough range. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't. Well, even the, even the uh, stunt performers that are playing the creatures, like they're crushing this. Yes. Right now. The, the, the body movements, everything like this is, just all around top notch. Um, and even that, that last shot. And I just, I kind of got nervous. Cause I was like, Oh no, I was like, stop, stop panning back. Stop panning back. Like, Oh dear God. Um, but just that, that half shot out the window as Joe, Joel and Ellie are driving open away. Window. Yes. The open window, which, you know, they said in the note, like we left the window open. So the house doesn't stink. Take what you need. Um, just on something that you know is, is is so emotional and so you know so sad there's this just beautiful bookend to the episode of that shot it it was the best way you could have finished that yeah i mean literally the best way you could have could have wrapped that up and there's a you know, thinking about Bill as a character, the one thing that really occurred to me is that they could have really made him kind of a caricature in a lot of ways. Yeah. Again, you know, that anti-government kind of role, which he's in, introduced to us as, um, you know, that conspiracy theorist guy. But you see very quickly that that's not actually who he is. That might be the exterior, but the interior is, is very different from that. And, and the, the, real example that I'm thinking of is when Frank tells him that he uh, traded a gun for the strawberry seeds mm-hmm. and he goes, which one? And he's like a small one. Like <laughs> part of me was expecting bill to get angry with him for doing that because that was, you know, like he would have valued the gun more than the strawberry seeds, but he didn't. He, he realized that this was a very beautiful gift that his partner did um, to create something special for the two of them to enjoy this. They have these, this other source now, you know, they probably Mm -hmm. haven't had fresh fruit like that and who knows. And now they have this and it was this, um, this really touching moment. And I was, was kind of waiting, you know, we've said multiple times in this episode, even um, talking about, we kept waiting for the hackneyed thing to happen. And when it doesn't, not only is it kind of refreshing, but it's, but it's the most effective thing that they could have done with, with the script. Right. Yeah. No, I just from from top to bottom, this was just such a crazy episode to go through. But uh, Rob, did you have like any other like bullet points or things that we didn't, you know, either touch on or something that you wanted to elaborate on further in this episode? You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the performances and the relationships and uh, and just the care and the screenwriting. Um, I do want to talk about something very briefly here. Uh, when they're in that root cellar, when they get to that uh, first, that convenience store where Joel's kind of got a little bit of a stash ah. in the basement, Ellie finds that infected. Can we just talk for just one second? How incredible the makeup and practical effects on this series are. Oh my God. I mean, the clickers last week were next level, but the make this, this specific uh, infected that she comes across. I, well, there's, there's nowhere to describe hi- it. There's nowhere to hide it. That's the thing. 
Like, right. it, there's no, there's no subtle camera work that you're doing because you're right there. It, it's, it's not like they can, they're putting it at weird angles or like, th- there's nowhere to hide if this looks like crap. And it's a dark scene, but the, the creature is still lit that you can yep. see what's going on and just the creature design and the makeup effects. Um, oh my God. It's just perfect. Absolutely yeah. perfect. This is one of, and I, I take nothing away because there, there have been some really great episodes, you know, of, you know, for things that are like, like the walking dead and there's really great episodes, you know, in looks of game of Thrones from, you know, a visual standpoint, but there's just something about this through these first three episodes. I I am just enthralled with how this looks and, and not just how it looks, but when you're a fan of the video game, like I cannot stop watching these comparison videos of the shot for, of the shot for shot. Like I am hooked on those videos. Which, by the way, when this all started, you and I both were 100% on board with the fact that we don't need any fan service in this. Just tell the story and that'll be good enough for us. And they're doing that and they're still giving us the fan service and they're crushing the story and they're crushing the the little fan service details that if, if you're looking for this kind of content to see like how closely they got. I mean, look at Ellie's shirt. Mm hmm. It's an exact recreation of her costume in the game. And I just, um, even Joel, like they, you know, very, very accurate to what it looks like unnecessarily. So like, no, nobody would have like been upset if they didn't get that perfect. Like we've been fine with just like, just throw any trucker Jack on him and give him a denim shirt and call it a day. But the, uh, the way they're recreating it. Um, I said this, I think last week, um, but when it comes around to award season for television, if if they don't have to get like an 18 wheeler to haul yeah. away what they are racking up from this, uh, it's it's going to be highway robbery. It, it might not happen just for the simple fact of they're like, well, we got to give somebody our participation trophy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that not, you know, not only are they they hitting on fan service, but they're hitting on the fact of these, you know, the changes that they have made and the things that they have expanded upon. Uh, Again, this is expanding upon, and this is changing some details of the story for the better. You know, think about how, you know, these guys are connected. You know, they changed that from the game when they described the infected. That's, that's a change how they're connected, but it works. It makes sense. It It makes it scarier. Yes. It makes it, it does like it makes it more terrifying. And you go back and you go, I I really just through these first three episodes, my, the, the thing that I keep saying, and when I've talked to other people about this, I, I have said, how are they doing this? Like, how are they making it? this good because to me this is this is peak like this is one of if not the best shows i've watched 
ever. You know, you've talked about studio interference a lot of times, and and sometimes <clears throat> the people who write the checks do get involved, and then they let focus groups make decisions on mm-hmm. things. Um, you know, they they shoot and you know two different endings, three different endings, or they they have a rough cut. They show some test audiences, and then they go back and they reshoot a whole third act of a movie. Um, it's uh, it's unlikely that that's that's a play here because it just yeah. like. What would you change? Yeah. Like, what's, yeah. Matt, what's your biggest complaint about this series so far? Because I've got nothing. Yeah, I. I, I just it's it, because it, it's going to be a hypocritical and it's not a complaint. But I guess the the only thing where if I could have my cake and eat it, too, I somehow would be able to not have to wait a week to see the episode. <laughs> right. But then. I'm absolutely loving the fact that I do have to wait and that I'm anticipating it. So I guess I would want to be able to watch it and then get men in black mind erased to just not know what I just saw and then watch it again coming up on Sunday. Like I, yeah. so it's just been so, and again, it's three episodes, Rob. We have seen three episodes and everything that we know Again, no spoilers, but like for us or anybody who's played the game, it only gets better. It, it doesn't get yep. it doesn't get worse. It doesn't stay the same. It doesn't go. Yeah, well, OK, it's it. No, it only gets better. The tension is going to continue to grow. The interest you have in the people you see on screen is only going to continue to grow. So. Uh, listeners, if you are somebody that is not familiar with the source material and you're wondering what is still in store, um, is this series peaked, you know, through three episodes, it's a third of the way in, we only get nine. So has it peaked? Uh, is it going to be downhill from here? Uh, bold prediction. No, it has not. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, this, this is a freight train and you, you should not be on the tracks because you are going to get run over. Be prepared to feel all of the feels. Yep. Absolutely. Every last one. Make a list of all of the feels. You will feel every single one of them. <laughs> so uh that that will do it for you know our, our review of of this episode. We'll we'll go into popcorn time here. I don't think it's going to be any surprise with the way we've talked about this. This is another 5. This, you know, 3 episodes in three fives uh, for everything we've talked about. I don't need to rehash it. This is just, it's everything I wanted and everything I didn't know. I wanted another solid five. Took the words out of my mouth. I didn't know that I wanted this episode this way because I had never met the character of Frank before. Um, so yeah, I, Thank you, um, mm-hmm. Druckmann and Company. Uh, thank you, <laughs> HBO. Um, you know, you already you already gave me the show I wanted, and then you went ahead and gave me the other parts that I didn't know that I wanted. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's five out of five. The show is batting a perfect fifteen out of fifteen through three episodes for both of us. Yeah, unbel- unbelievable. So, I-, I look forward to continuing. Um, you know, bringing these reviews. Um, they they have been so fun. It's been just an absolute pleasure to watch this show. Um, 
but that will do it for this episode. However, uh, you know, listeners, I do want to just take a moment um, to say thank you for supporting the show, following along with the show. Uh, we have certainly, Rob and I were talking about this before we, we discussed this episode. A um, lot of new listeners uh, into the phrase, so to speak, new subscribers um, to the social media channels, to um, our, our senior website where we are starting to get into live watch parties for certain things. Um, it, it is just, it, it's very humbling. It's very cool that anybody does even want to listen to this show, but, uh, I want to take a second to say it, it is so appreciated. Um, and I, I know Rob, you probably want to share some of those same things. Yeah, rubber stamp that. Um, thank you, listeners. If this is, uh, you know, if you're a fan of this series and you're a fan of the game and, and now a fan of the series and we're looking for, uh, you know, something to listen to about your favorite intellectual property ever, um, thank you for, for choosing this show. Um, it's such a cool thing uh, to think about that um, wherever you are right now, listening to these words, uh, just know that, that Matt and I both appreciate you and uh, you know, hope that you get a chance to check out other stuff on the channel because uh, we really have a lot of fun um, you know, in our studios uh, sitting and talking about movies, um, movies we love, TV shows we love. And even the ones we hate, we still have a lot of fun talking about them. Uh, as you, you know, if you get a chance to download the Wild Wild West episode that just released, you'll kind of see what we mean by that. But hmm. uh, we certainly hope you will uh, subscribe to the show, check out some of the other content while you're waiting for the next episode to release. And uh, while you're at it, um, go ahead and check out those socials if you haven't already. You can check out Instagram, uh, Facebook. There is a Facebook group. Uh, TikTok, Twitter, um, YouTube. There's a couple of uh, video reviews that are out there on YouTube. I think YouTube is going to be a growing platform for the MGTTM family uh, in 2023. Uh, you can email the show mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. You can send along your thoughts. Certainly, I know that live watch parties are things that uh, are, are going to continue to be worked on for the future. Uh, I know a lot of people wanted to jump on for this week. Uh, technical difficulties made mm -hmm. it so that couldn't quite happen the way we wanted it to, but we're going to work those kinks out uh, because I know there's a lot of people that were really excited about it. And, uh, and we want to watch this with you guys. So um, certainly make sure that um, you stay uh, uh, in touch with the social media platforms so you can get all of the details. Um, yeah, I think it's just I think right now the show is just missing a Pinterest page. So, you know, look for right. that in the future. I'm sure <laughs> sure Matt will get a Pinterest uh, started for uh, for Matt goes to the movies. Uh, but yeah, lots of great stuff uh, coming up. So make sure you just subscribe, follow the show on wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, later this week, I haven't told Matt this yet, but later this week, there should be a new episode of the extended podcast universe dropping uh, so for those new listeners who have not had a chance to check out any of the extended podcast universe, it is a spinoff show from the main continuity uh, that I host with my younger brother, Eric, and occasionally my oldest daughter, Lillian. And uh, I've got a recording date set up and it will be a film that has uh, it's an older film that has crept back into relevancy uh, very recently. So that is the only hint I will give. Ooh. Matt, I'm positive you already know what it is. Uh, even though I haven't told you, I think you know what it is. And uh, I'm really looking forward to watching that again and talking to my brother Eric about it. So look for that later this week while you wait for another episode of our new favorite show. 
All right. Listeners, again, thank you so much for joining us for this and every episode. We will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.